Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we're blasting out every episode and related content. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I'm ready to break things right now because I just watched Bryce Harper hit a grand slam to walk off the Cubs. I'm Andy Cruz. Via in a second, I'm equally angry because I just watched the Phillies sweep us. I So when the score was five to nothing and things looked like they were going to be pretty good, the intro line to the show was going to be, I would like to thank the Cubs for making sure that Andy and I have something to smile about on this show, but that is gone now because I'm not smiling and being swept sucks. And I am furious about so many things in this series, but I think I am most furious about the fact that the Cubs got two absolute gems, absolute gems from starting pitchers in this series and did nothing with it. I mean, I just, wow. I, you guys, if you've ever wanted to hear us raw, this is it. Cause literally Sarah and I just jumped in and she said, I'm hitting record. And this, here we are. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, I literally feel like I'm in groundhog day. Like it, it just, it, it's, ugh. God, this is awful. <laughs> I mean, so we're going to we're going to jump into game 3 in a little bit. Let's let's go in order like we always do, but this feels like game 1 had a similar feeling to it to me in term like and the Cubs weren't ever really leading in that game or like it never really felt like the Cubs were going to like win that game the way it did in game 3, but it had a similar feeling in the sense that like Jose Quintana pitched one of the best games that he's had. As a Cub, he threw six innings. He struck out a career high 14. He only walked one person. He allowed two runs. One Only one of them was earned. Uh, Nick Castellanos did everything he possibly could to make sure that things went the Cubs way in that game. And they just couldn't get it done. Like there was no other offense in this game. They, the bullpen just like totally couldn't. And, and look, I get it. The bullpen is on life support. Like I get it. <laughs> The bullpen is not great right now. We are missing a lot of key pieces. Steve Ciszek is missed. Craig Kimbrell is missed. But my God, <laughs> like your starter gives you six innings and 14 strikeouts and you can't win a game. What is Yo, this? I mean, 14 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts. And, and we could not beat them. Well, I, I just... And- Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like this is a stat that I heard about that game and and I'm going to I'm going to mess this up so somebody can correct me on Twitter later, but I think like in the ninth inning or the eighth inning, one of the announcers made a comment that the Cubs had struck out 15 or 16 batters in that game and only struck out twice and they were losing. I, no, you're you're right. That's right. I have that written <laughs> down. You're right. Yes. That's ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, I don't even um, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Jason Vargas. Hello. Jason Vargas. Hello. Jason Vargas has not. (laughs) Jason Vargas. What is this offense if we can't beat Jason Vargas when (laughs) Jose Quintana gives us 14 strikeouts? What is this offense? I I, I don't even know. Like, and and look, I'll be, I'll be as charitable as I can be because sometimes like 
I know it's a long season. I know there's some sort of flu sweeping through the Cubs system right now. Cole Hamels was apparently affected by it in game two, which don't worry, we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Javi Baez got pulled from his start tonight um, because he was feeling sick. By the way, uh, that would have been, would have been nice to have Javi's glove when that air was made on the gimme double play ball in the ninth. Um, which one? I get it. Was it there too? Oh, there, well, so that... Only the only the one on Bodie was scored an air. Uh, those two balls that Hap let go that touched his glove and like went into center, those were both scored hits. But frankly, like I, I sort of felt like it was Groundhog Day with the airs in game three. No, that was ridiculous because in both of those plays, and I know that I'm sorry we're talking about game one right now, but both of those plays, he should not have even have to die for those balls. Like he should have been able to be quick enough to go across his body. Every other person that we have on this roster that plays second base would have been the fact that if you watch how the ball goes off his glove, it's because where hit, where it hit on his glove, he did not have to die for those balls. Like just have a quicker move to the center of, of the infield and you would have had those. Well, like, and alternatively, and who did I oh just God. see say this on Twitter? Let me see if I can find it. Oh, I won't even um, go on Twitter right now. I will not well, even go on Twitter because I will throw my phone against the wall. That's fair. I, I, I'm not going to be able to find it. I just saw it and it's it's gone now. Um, somebody that I follow on Twitter made the comment that if Tony Kemp had stayed in the game as a defensive replacement at second, he gets both he gets both of those balls easily. Anybody, anybody that plays second on this team besides Ian Happ gets those balls easily. Anybody like those are not. It, oh, God. Okay. This is so fresh. You know what? It's okay. I think we can talk about game three miscues while we're talking about game, game one. <laughs> we might just get, there's a, there's going to be some anger in this podcast and yeah, like, sorry, we guys. do have some show notes, but we're going to bounce around. Cause I think frankly, at the moment we're a little furious. Um, but so back to game one for a second, like I just, if your starter gives you a gem like that, you've got to be able to close it down. And, and this bullpen can't do it right now. And it, it's infuriating. Like it is so infuriating. <laughs> Have a, to have this system where, you know, they're either losing in blowouts, blowouts. Like, I mean, and I, I love John Lester. I love Cole Hamels. Like the number of runs these dudes are giving up lately is, is shocking. Or the bullpen can't hold the lead. And I just, road cubs, you are killing me right now. Um, so the uh, one, we'll have one good thing to say about each game. How about that? Like I, I insist on there being a positive. Here's my one good thing to say about game one. Nicholas Castellanos continues to Castellanos. He is incredible. He has hit safely in every Cubs game he's played in, including tonight's game against the Phillies, except for one that is hitting in 13 out of 14 games for the Cubs so far, including seven doubles and five home runs. So Big Nick Energy, Nick the Stick, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being a bright spot in game one. Um, okay, I know we're talking about game one, but yes, seriously, and I know I keep saying this and I sound like a broken record. I Yes, I am extremely happy his bat is in this lineup because we would have been no hit a couple times by now if it wasn't. Um, but second to that is also, again, Whoever was scouting his defense, he threw out a runner tonight at home. By, yeah, his defense you know, is fine. Albeit a slow runner, but still, a lot of things had to go right to get that runner at home. He threw somebody out. I mean, his defense is not bad. His defense is not bad at all, and he looks great at the plate. I mean, just absolutely professional hitter. 
and God, thank goodness he is in our uniform these, these past couple weeks because oh, we needed him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I was actually going to talk about that play where he gunned down. I think it was Reese Hoskins. Am I right about that? Um, yes. And yes. I, that was, that was a great throw. I mean, I almost, I almost tweeted something to the effect of like Nick the arm, but I, I missed it. The the inspiration came to me after it was no longer relevant. Um, okay. We're not going to talk about game two for very long because <laughs> if, if you stayed through this game, you are, you're a true fan. Uh, I stayed through this game. I, went to bed immediately after and just decided I was going to avoid Twitter for like the next 16 hours. Cause <laughs> I just really didn't want to deal with people's takes from this game. Cole Hamels clearly didn't have it. Um, he did not make, he didn't get a single out in the third inning. I think he was responsible for 11 of the runs that were earned in this game. And, and the thing that really to me said that he didn't have it was one of the plays in the third inning where the Cubs could have gotten an out, um, he didn't cover first base, which was just such a mind-bogglingly not Cole Hamill's thing to do that it didn't surprise me when I heard later he was sick. If you recall last week, they were talking about the fact that the Cubs had some sort of flu sweeping the dugout. Apparently it was Cole Hamill's turn. He wanted the start anyway because he has not pitched as a visiting pitcher in Philadelphia yet. And I, and I understand that the Phillies fans were great to him. He got some really nice ovations, but he, he was not good. Yeah. Um, I watched, well, I tried to watch as much as I could. I had it on my phone. Um, we were celebrating a birthday last night. So, um, I did what I could as far as having it on my phone at the table at dinner, it reached a certain point when I stopped paying attention. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's it's hard to watch somebody like Cole Hamill struggle. It's um, especially when he's in Philadelphia, and you know that you know he does not want to let his team down. But obviously, anybody that you know had any idea that he was not there was something ailing him. He was not feeling good. Something was going on behind the scenes. I kind of had a feeling that something was not right because you just don't that's not typical. You just don't see stuff like that. So it, it was really hard to watch all the way around what I did watch. I would like to move on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have to have one good thing from each game. The good thing from this game, uh, Chris Bryant hit a home run. So the Cubs were neither no hit nor shut out. Um, that was good. I appreciated that. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about this I game. I was going to say, I can't even, that's, you took it. You took the only thing you took. it. That was it. <laughs> That was it. Okay. Um, so game three had actually a lot of good things in it, things that I was really excited about. And we're going to talk about all of those things and pretend that this game did not end with an absolutely mammoth Bryce Harper grand slam. And I, I had this moment when Bryce Harper was a bat where I was thinking, huh, I wonder if he's remembering being at Wrigley Field when Jason Hayward hit a grand slam to walk off the Phillies last year. And, oh, God, I hope he doesn't channel that energy. And then he hit – I mean, honestly, it was a moonshot. It, it went into, like, the third deck of Citizens Park. Park. It was a moonshot of a grand slam. And I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone – round the bases as fast as Bryce Harper rounded the bases after that hit because he wanted to get to the mass of humanity that was waiting to cheer him on at home plate. Um, yeah. You, you got to love, like, let's let's take our Cubs fans hat off for one second 
that home run was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Yeah, great. Good for him. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. that's fair. I mean, I, I also, um, my observation before he came to bat was, oh my God, we are bringing in Derek Holland to face Bryce Harper with the bases loaded on purpose. Listen, I'll give you my observation. Be... <laughs> I can't say any of the words that were in my observation when this was happening because I already knew what was going to happen. I already knew it. I, I saw it coming a mile away. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't even watch. I had to step away. I walked back and got to see the lights flashing and Bryce Harper sprinting around the bases like I've never seen him sprint. It was not fun. Uh, yeah. Um, this is a family podcast, so we're not going to give you our unfiltered reactions to that home run. But Like I said, uh, I'm going to save you the trouble. Beep. That was my reaction. <laughs> There you go. Okay, okay. Let's let's talk about the parts of this game that didn't suck. And I know that it's hard to do that with the walk-off Grand Slam. Um, so I looked at this lineup this afternoon, and and I just thought it looked bad. I mean, I Albert Almora leading off is not a thing that should happen. He averages, like, barely more than three pitches per plate appearance. And I would like somebody to lead off who sees more pitches than that. And then the Cubs re-released the lineup because Javi was sick. And Almora was no longer in the line in the leadoff spot, so that was good. But like Javi was out of the lineup, so that was bad. <laughs> I had this moment of like, God, be careful what you wish for. Like you got Almora out of the leadoff spot, but <laughs> I now mean, Javi is sick. Oh God, what a cluster, right? I mean, geez, Louise, you get that first lineup, and you're kind of like scratching your head. Wow, I mean, what exactly are we trying to do here? And then a little while later, oh, sorry, Javi scratched. And then you get like a redo, but without Javi. So I don't know. It just, it's just such a head scratcher how things have turned out the past few games and wondering at what point is the low so we can get back up to the high. <laughs> I'm hoping this was the low. Like I'm really hoping too. tonight was the low because if tonight was the low and they kick it into gear, I'll feel pretty good about that. If tonight was not the low, dear God, this team is not playing in October. Like I, if this was not the low, this team is not playing in October. You can't have series like this and think that you are going to the playoffs. Um, but you know, Rizzo was leading off and, you know, Rizzo needed that little jump start, and it worked for him. He did hit a home run. It was his first home run in a while. Um, so that was great. I was very happy to see Anthony Rizzo hit a home run. Um, Back when I thought the Cubs were going to win this game, I had a note here to ask you how we felt about Bodie at shortstop, and and, and I'm just not going to ask that question anymore. I'm more freaking concerned with second base, with Happ at second base. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> either one of those is just not working. So now we can kind of see why. Listen, everyone knows how I feel about that other guy that plays shortstop. So I'm not even going to go there, but now we can kind of understand why the need for him was there. So um, you still just, you know, I'd rather, I guess, if I had to choose, I'd rather it be this way um, or maybe not. Some days I probably wouldn't, but we, there's, there's a lot of glaring issues with this team right now that could be self-corrected, but are, we're just not figuring that out. <sighs> Um, okay. Uh, here, here's my good thing about this game. That is my really good thing about this game. You Darvish. Yes, that guy, that you Darvish 
I do not even know what to say about how great you Darvish has been recently. And, and to tell you this, so I knew it had been a while since he walked a batter, but during the game when it looked like pretty clearly he was going to not walk a batter in this game, um, I looked this up. And so here is my crazy you Darvish stat. He has not walked anyone in his last four starts, 24 innings pitched, zero walks. And in that time, he has 36 strikeouts. And then I like looked back even farther because I'm that girl. You Darvish has only walked two batters since July 3rd. So in something like over 40 innings, I think I didn't put it in the notes because, oh, wait, yes, I did. I just have to scroll. In 48 point and two thirds innings, he has walked two people and struck out 63 guys. That's what the Cubs paid all that money for. So can I ask you a question? Because I was thinking about this um, as I'm watching him dominate this lineup. At what point can we admit that this is this is ace behavior? I mean, I think we can do it right now. I think eight starts of this is like, he has been really, really good. He still needs to get the long ball under control somewhat. I, I think he would not be happy with what the outcomes have been in this game, frankly. And, you know, I, I, I hate playing the, like, second-guess the manager game, but I was kind of shocked to see you come out of this game at 92 pitches out of, after the seventh. I really thought that he had one more inning in him. He didn't do the thing that he's done a couple of times where he, like, airs it all out with, like, 98 or whatever. Mm-hmm on his final pitches in the seventh inning, I thought he was, he was sort of acting like he could have gotten one more. And I think if you Darvish pitches the eighth, this is an entirely different ball game because then you can bring Rowan Wicken for just the one inning for the ninth, instead of trying to get him to get two innings worth of work. in. I don't know. Like, I just think it would have changed things a little bit. And I cannot believe I just said that Rowan Wick should close things. <laughs> I mean, but I, I mean, why not? Oh he my has God. been, he's been pretty amazing. Um, he's throwing fire. You Darvish looked amazing. He, what, he had 92 pitches when he was pulled in the seventh. He did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he could have gone another inning. I mean, why not test that out? He's, you know, Joe's letting all the other starters go past a hundred pitches these days. Why not test the waters with you? Why not? Well, and and it's, he, and he's had games where I didn't want him to do that. Right. So I, I feel bad being like, I'm always the girl who's like, he should have gone more. He should have gone less, whatever. But in this particular instance, I think you Darvish had another inning in him. And I would have liked to see what happens if you Darvish goes out one more time. Um, and then it, Rowan Wick or Underwood or whoever, it doesn't even matter. Like somebody just comes in for the ninth inning. It's clean. And then it's done, you know? Right. Well, and our problem with sending you Darvish out there previous was that there was no trust. Like, it was almost like he would end his appearances with, you know, a really bad inning that would kind of scratch all of the work he had done before that. So that's that's where we're kind of hesitant on that because he just, he couldn't finish out games. He couldn't finish out starts. So there's a trust factor there. But now talking about the numbers that you're saying right now, as far as you Darvish is concerned, I think there is a point when we have to start trusting him. And if that's not now, then I don't know, you know, if we ever can, to be quite honest, because he has been so consistent. Every pitcher on the staff has had blips over the past couple of weeks, every pitcher. And you has been consistently good. 
not consistently dominant, but he's been consistently good. There's been games when he's looked very dominant. Today was a very good game. I just think that one of these times Joe has to test the waters with letting him go a little bit longer. I mean, every, every start, maybe just let him go a little bit longer, let him go another, you know, just put him out there for that eighth inning and see what happens. If he gets a runner on, then go to your bullpen. But I, well, why not? Why not test well, that out? And and the and here's the other thing. Like I, I and I feel bad about this because obviously Joe Madden knows you Darvish better than I do, and he clearly has a better idea of how long his pitcher should go. So this is this is just me, like you know, calling the game from my couch. But the the one thing about this is. In, in those other starts where you has been put out an inning too long, he gave a clear signal that he was done. Like he, if you remember, he had that, that gif. It's like my favorite gif. I use it all the time in the seventh where he like did his Pedro stroke, like cheer on the mound and then had to come out again for the eighth. Or he's like aired it all out on a final pitch. And you've seen him like throw 98, 99 super late to like get a strikeout and then been done. And he didn't do that this time. And so I sort of felt like this was a night where you could have gone one more inning. And and admittedly, I'm like reading tea leaves here. This is just what I see watching the games. But I didn't see him have one of those moments where it was like, I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. He, I, I'm thinking that he probably thought he was coming back out for another one because he's pretty consistent with those too, with his his little signals that he gives off. So I mean, what at one of these points, you know, especially with the way that our bullpen has been looking and the shape that it's in, I don't think it's going to hurt anything to try and put him back out there for one more inning, at least just test the waters. At least until we get C-Shack and Kimbrel back. <laughs> um, so other good things from this game, we had the 100th Schwarbino. That was great. Kyle Schwarber. Yes. yes, very good. We love that. Yes. <laughs> Andy, Andy, help me out. Here I am. I'm here. Yes. No, I, I, yes, that was fantastic. We knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. So thankfully he gave us a highlight for this game besides the pitching, of course. Right. Um, and, and then the ninth inning happened and all of the great things in this game. <sighs> so. While the Cubs were giving up this game to the Phillies um, around the NL Central, just so everybody is aware, the Devil Birds lost to the Reds. So the Cubs are still only one game behind the Cardinals in the last column in the Central. The division race is wild, y'all. And, and the Cubs really need to take advantage of these three games they have against Pittsburgh to try and get something going. The Pirates have not been great lately. The Cubs could actually like do some damage here. The, the Cardinals are in the easiest part of their schedule, so they're not going to let up. The Cubs need to win some games and do some damage here against the Pirates and the Giants coming up. Um, the Brewers are actually only a game and a half in back of the Cardinals too, although they are three games back in the last column and they were off on Thursday. Um, what are you thinking about the NL Central, Andy? What a mess. What a mess. Um, I'll tell you this. I would really appreciate it if the Cardinals – well, I don't want to say that. Not the Cardinals. If the Cubs could just go ahead and decide to run away with this or at least put some space between them and the Cardinals because I'm getting really tired of getting these text messages that I can set my watch by as soon as the standings update. 
And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So I get this, I text message with um, my, my one friend who is my daughter's basketball coach. And we go back and forth quite a bit, but it never fails. As soon as something happens where the Cardinals are tied for first or in first on their own, I get a text message from him, of course, asking last night, it was my internet's not working. What's the score of the Cubs game? So yes, it, it, it's not pretty. I don't enjoy it. So if we could just go ahead and take care of business, that would be fantastic. Thankfully we go home next week. So maybe that means that we can put some space between us and, and these birds that you speak of. Oh, I would, I would love that so much. Um, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we are going to talk about some ways that the Cubs might be able to put some space between themselves and these devil birds. Um, and we're also going to do our latest edition of Ben Zobrist Watch uh, and talk about what we might be able to expect from him, if anything, in the future. So, but first, let's hear from our sponsors. And we are back. So, Ben Zobrist on Thursday is playing for Iowa now. <laughs> He's in AAA. He's another guy who would have made both of those plays in the ninth inning. <laughs> he was all I could think of when I was watching the first one. He was all I was thinking of. I mean, and and really, I feel like we're being hard on Ian Happ. Ian Happ is, is great. His bat has been awesome. As we're going to talk about in a second, he's been one of the hottest Cubs hitters. I'm so glad he's back. But that was just really painful to watch. I, to watch him boot the same ball twice on back-to-back at bats was just really hard. And am I not mistaken? Did he drop a pop fly yesterday too? If he did, I missed it. Um, I thought I, 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 thought I, I, I saw you. somebody commenting that he dropped a, a routine fly ball. Um, I believe you. <laughs> yesterday, which is also very disheartening. I, I have blacked out large portions of game two from my memory for the good of my personal like psyche and mental health. <laughs> Sarah, can I ask you an honest question? Is it not concerning that there is at least one game every series for the past like two weeks that we've had to block from our memory? It this is the weirdest team I've ever seen. They go through stretches where they look purely dominant, just like totally dominant. And their home record is actually outstanding, right? And if you were like to watch the Cubs at a home series, which I do frequently, you would think this team is on fire on their way to the postseason and going to make a deep run in October. And then they play on the road and it's like the bad news bears. I, oh I don't even understand. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the bad news bears. I love it. Oh my goodness. This is not good. This is not good for my anxiety. This is not good. This is not good. <laughs> I hear not you. Good. I hear you. It's Ugh. not good for my anxiety either. Um, but so anyway, so Ben Zobrist is playing for Iowa now. He's in AAA. Uh, this actually, you know, well, this leads to two interesting questions. I'm going to start with the first one, which I put in the show notes, and then I'll do the second one, which I didn't. Um, the first interesting question I have, yesterday there was a piece in the Daily Herald asking when will Zobris finally speak to the media and what is he supposed to say? And I got a little cranky at the existence of this piece uh, because I don't really think Ben Zobris owes anybody an explanation for having a rough divorce. This isn't quite the same as like you owe fans an apology or something because you were suspended for steroids or domestic violence, or you did something terrible to your teammates or there was a bad lock. You know what I mean? Like this doesn't strike me as 
there needs to be a press conference. And so the premise of this piece rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. What what are you thinking? Do you do you need an explanation from Ben Zobris? No, absolutely not. And not when there's children involved either. I think his whole thing about how hush-hush things have been, or I don't want to say hush-hush, but how non-existent he's been with this whole topic in the face of the media. Like if you've seen any video of him in uh, AA when he was in AA or in AAA, he, you know, you hear questions, you hear like Sarah and I got both got a little emotional when we heard this man tell him, you know, we're praying for you. We, we hope everything turns out okay. That's all this man said. That's all that needs to be said. That's all that Ben needs to say. He doesn't need to say anything else. There's children involved. There's, it's his personal life. I understand he's under a microscope because he's a professional athlete, but there's just certain things, especially when there's children involved. And I guess I'm just very, very um, sensitive to that fact because I try to put myself in other people's shoes. And in this case, I can kind of do that. You know what I mean? He's, he's got three kids. I have three kids. His wife, he and his wife uh, had been together for quite a few years. It's just, it's a very sensitive topic. And he's somebody that is such a positive person and been such a great influence to not only his teammates and the public, but fans. I mean, obviously Chicago Cubs fans love him. He does not need to say anything. He's coming back. He can say he's excited to be back. He's excited to be back with his teammates on the field, playing the game he loves. He does not need to go into his personal life. There's just no reason for it. And I think it really is creating a spectacle and trying to create a story that's not really there. We know that all that we need to know, I'm just happy to get him back. And we need him to be back with a clear head so he can be the effective player that he was and deal with his family and personal business off the field. Well, and that and that's the other thing. I mean, the man has had an outstanding Major League Baseball career. I mean, his not, he's had quite a few outstanding F4 seasons. He's a, an incredible player. By all accounts, he's a really nice guy. He's a great teammate. I actually loved, there was a story about, you know, he's been you know, taking the minor league guys out to dinner and being a good influence on them. And um, there was a story in The Athletic about him giving them advice and feedback and whatnot. But my favorite element from this story, I think it was Sahadev Sharma's, um, was about bringing them in McDonald's <laughs> and like how they don't get that stuff a lot. You know, the minor league players don't make a ton of money and no, they're not supposed to eat like junk food in the dugout all the time. And so for Ben Zobris to bring them in like a McDonald's meal, they all just thought it was great and it made them all smile and have a great day. And I was just like, I, I love this guy. <laughs> I love that he's bringing the players together at all levels. If you watch any time he plays at any level, there is a line up the stands, down the field, around the park of people asking him to sign stuff. And he apparently signs until like five minutes before game time. <laughs> and he's got a huge smile on his face just – out there loving his, you know, his comeback. And this is in all likelihood, this is it. Like he's 38 years old. He's going to have his comeback and this will be his last month, month and a half, two months, however long the Cubs can play of baseball. And I want it to be great for him because he's a great person. Right. Oh, definitely. And he's somebody also, I know we've joked about it a little bit, but he's somebody that I would love to see continue on with the team in some way, shape or form. I don't think probably 
because of this situation that will happen, he probably wants to go spend time with his kids and, and get his life figured out. But at one point in time, I had really thought that that was a strong possibility that he could end up in the front office or as a coach of some kind for the Cubs. So maybe at some point, but he's just such a great leader and somebody that these guys look up to. Why not keep somebody like that in the dugout in, in any capacity they can? Right. No, I think that he should. I, I would love him to be around this team for as long as he wants to be around this team. And the Cubs would be lucky to have him. Um, what my second question about Ben Zobrist watch, which I think is much more baseball related, but as interesting, you know, it, we're having this conversation. It's late on August 15th. If he is ready to come back and join the team before September 1st, the Cubs have some tough roster decisions to make. Um, yeah, and probably my decisions right this minute would be based solely on this previous inning that we just saw when the Cubs lost. <laughs> so probably not <laughs> not the best decisions. But so, yeah. so you're gonna send Ian Hap back to Iowa. <laughs> you already know that's what I was getting ready to say. I am not happy about those two airs. It was like back to back ridiculousness. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that based on when he comes up whether that's after this weekend when they're at home which I can see happening or you know after the San Francisco series whatever I I think by then it will be clear who will be sent down I think it will it will kind of figure itself out if that makes sense no that's fair I mean I I will say I would probably send down more to Iowa before I would send Hap to Iowa I think that Hap's bat and his ability to get on base has been more helpful. And he, he he doesn't play quite as flashy of a center field, but he can get the job done in center. But I I understand why your your immediate bias would be that Ian Happ needs to work on his defense at second base a little bit. Um, but either way, Ben Zobris, come back soon. The team misses you. We're excited to see you play in Chicago again. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back before September call-ups. Uh, the Cubs are going to face the Pittsburgh Pirates without Ben Zobrist one way or the other. They're going to play two games in Pittsburgh, and then they're going to play in the Little League World Classic on World Series Classic. I, I don't – I think I just said that wrong. Anyway, on Sunday for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, uh, side note, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball means there will be bingo cards. So keep an eye out on our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Bingo. Uh, Little League World Series edition. It's going to be great. Uh, what are you thinking about for this Pittsburgh series, Andy? Oh, for the love of God, if we can't beat Pittsburgh, I swear to God. Things are going to be broken in my house. I mean, this team, Pittsburgh has, I could say this team has not been good since All-Star break, and you probably wouldn't know who I was talking about, but I'm talking about Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not fair. I'm being dramatic right now. Um, Pittsburgh has been really not good since the all-star break. Um, they find themselves all the way in the basement now. Uh, I just had it in front of me and my computer blacked out. So give me a second, but this is a, an opportunity that these guys have to win a game. They're 13 and a half games back. This is an opportunity that the Cubs have now against a team that has obviously been struggling to just, you know, get the basics right. Just go in there and play ball. Just play the basics right. Don't don't be flashy. Don't be crazy. Just play fundamentally sound baseball. Get some hits. Field some balls. You know, 
throw to second and then to first. I think it's called a double play. I mean, oh, for Pete's sake. It's just, it, I'm sorry. I'm being, so, I'm being so sarcastic right now. I just can't. I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what I just saw a, a little while ago. But yeah, this is definitely an, a, a huge opportunity for these guys. I sound like a broken record. I feel like a broken record. But for the love of God, we are on the road. We might as well just win some ball games. I mean, it, it, it can happen against Pittsburgh. Let's make it happen. Yeah, and, and in case you couldn't hear that, Cubs and Cubs fans, that was that was Andy begging, <laughs> begging. <laughs> For some good <laughs> fundamental baseball against the Pirates. <laughs> that was a bag. I mean, okay, these get okay, just I have these numbers in front of me, so I have to spit them out. Pittsburgh has a run differential of negative 92. The Cubs, while being tied for first place, still have a plus 63 run differential. Do the math. I mean, you could basically score two runs <laughs> like, the entire series. You guys, this is so sad. Why can't we win away games? Why can't we win them? If we don't win against Pittsburgh, Sarah, I almost don't want to watch this series. No, well, so interestingly, and this is this is actually going to blow your mind. I've been trying to figure this out for a while now. The Cubs' run differential on the road is actually zero, um, and like, or was before tonight. So it's it's probably like negative three or something now, but or or like somewhere around there. I actually I actually haven't checked it in a couple of days, so it might be lower now after that blowout yesterday. Um, but but it was pretty close to zero going into this Philly series, and the and that just is one of those things that should mean a 50-50 record, right? Like they should be playing five hundred ball um, by all projection standards on the road, and they are not, and they're not even close. They're playing like three eighty or three seventy ball on the road, so something weird is going on there. I can't pretend to figure it out, um, but hey, now would be a great time to figure it out. <laughs> This series against Pittsburgh would be an awesome time to sweep and figure this stuff out. Um, in terms of matchups, the the Pirates are going to send uh, Musgrove up to face Hendricks. They're going to send Brault up to face Lester. And they're going to send Keller up to face Jose Quintana, who has been absolutely incredible. And can we please stop wasting great Quintana starts? Um, these all are winnable matchups. <laughs> now I sound like I'm begging. You are begging and it's totally fine. Listen, they might as well have put TBDs up there. I kind of feel like these are TBDs. Listen, oh God, we have to be able to beat some of these. I'm still boggled that we couldn't beat Jason Vargas, but whatever. So yes, and all three of these guys, Hendricks and Lester had shaky starts their last their last appearances. So hopefully they're just buckle down they just figure out you know that their team needs them to do this this series they need to come home with a little bit of a springboard and I mean oh god just win two out of three that's all I'm asking two out of three that's it two out of that's three not asking a lot against Pittsburgh I mean I'm trying to be realistic here two, two out, out of three, three means they will have gone four and six on this or four and is that right no it's worse than that Two out of three. They've won one game. <laughs> no, it would be four and six. Yeah, no, it would be four and games. six on the road trip, on the on the entire road trip. Yeah. That is what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, two out of three. Two out of three sounds great. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, they would be four and six. No. Um in terms of uh hitters to keep an eye on, uh the pirates have a few guys who have been super hot at the plate recently. Brian Reynolds, Josh Bell. 
Jose Azina and Starling Marte have all been on fire at the plate lately. So the Cubs are going to have to be careful with those hot bats. I, I would also like to say the Cubs have some batters who have been on fire lately too. And I really want these guys to stay hot. I want Anthony Rizzo to join them. And I, and I want this team to straighten it out and play like a team that's going to play deep in October, because we know that's the team that they can be. Um, Nicholas Castellanos is on fire out of this world. We already talked about it a little bit, but Kyle Schwarber and Ian Happ have been two of the hottest hitters that the Cubs have. They've been playing some platoon favorable matchups, but that's fine. I'm okay with them platooning into favorable matchups if they stay hot. And Javi Baez seems to have caught his stride again. Uh, he's been playing really well the last couple of weeks too. Yeah, it would be really nice to get Rizzo going again too. I know he struggled a little bit. He had he did have a home run tonight, so that's that's good. It, it would be nice to see him be a little productive. I know I heard and heard him speaking in an interview this week on the radio, and he did talk about he's focusing less on having power numbers and just wants to be productive at the plate, which I completely understand. But when you're not doing either of those things, then sometimes you just have to take whatever you can get. So. Hopefully he figures out some things this series and, and gets a little hot going back home. Um, personally, I am a huge Josh Bell fan. I know that we talked about him around the all-star break because obviously he was in the home run derby and he is phenomenal. I really am a huge Josh Bell fan. Um, and if you've never heard him speak, he has a fantastic voice. He, so I don't know if how well anybody follows him or knows about this, but he's had a little bit of an issue at the plate. And he's somebody that I can't remember what his nickname is, but his teammates call him something because he oftentimes changes his, his batting stance or his batting approach. And he's very quick to do that. So um, hurdle actually gave him like three games off uh, like a week and a half ago, I want to say to go figure out what exactly he was doing because they don't like him changing what's going on. So since he's done that, he's kind of caught fire again and he's been really solid at the plate, but you know, you wonder how often a player kind of resorts back to what they're used to. So it'll be interesting to see what he does against these three pitchers, these three Cubs pitchers for this series. Cause he has had some pretty solid games against the Cubs, but he is somebody that, is kind of quirky in the batter's box. Quirky in the batter's box, indeed. I, what, I, there's nothing else to say. I think that we can just call it at this point. Um, so we are going to be watching this weekend to see if the Cubs can take two of three. Please, dear God, Cubs take two of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We will be back on Sunday to look back at those three games and to look ahead as the Giants head to Wrigley. As always, you can find us on at cupofcubbyblue.com and you can also follow me or Andy. I am at BCB underscore Sarah and she is at Briz B-R-Y-Z underscore blue on Twitter. We'll see you next time and have a great weekend. Bye.